Okay, thank everyone for joining. It's been a little while. Um, so we're in the middle of discussing the idea of kavod and specifically kavod to, um, to Talmudim, to students. But of course, even if we're not teachers, um, the lessons are relevant to any position of authority or you know, dealing with children. You know, the Mishnah says in Pirkei Avais, if someone wants a source that one has to give kavo to Talmidim, so it's a Mishnah in Pirkei Avais, the Mishnah says, The honor of your student should be dear to you, like your own. It doesn't mean that you should honor the student the same way that the student's obligated to honor the teacher. Child is supposed to stand up for the teacher, for the Rebbe. Um, but the Mishnah doesn't say you should honor your student the same way the student should honor you. But the Mishnah says, that the honor of your student should be dear to you, like your own honor. The same way you care about your own honor, that's the human nature, to care about their kavai, to care about their honor. You should care about your student's honor the same way. Your student's honor may be different. It's a different type of honor. But you should care, be concerned with their honor. And therefore, it's so important to be careful, to treat, treat, our, treat our students, campers, whatever position we're in, maybe we're just a mentor to, to younger girls, to treat them with a tremendous amount of respect. What happens is we treat other people with respect, they treat us with respect. Very clear that teachers that te treat the students with respect, the students treat them with respect. And if a teacher, an adult, does not treat the children with respect, then very likely they're not gonna treat, children not gonna treat them with respect. As the Pasuk says in Mishlei, Parach of Zion, Pasuk Yates, a very powerful Pasuk. Took me years to finally get the Pasuk by heart. Kemayim apanim apanim, ken leva adam adam. Like water reflects a person's face, so too the heart is reflected back to him by one another. The way we treat others, and maybe more importantly, the way we perceive others, is really the way we per they perceive us. If we have a respect for other people, they will have a respect for us. If we have a love for others, they'll have a love for us. If we don't respect people, even if on the outside we put on a good show, they could sense it, and that's the way they're gonna feel towards, towards us. One of the important ideas of being able to have respect for Children, again, this is really relevant to other relationships, is something we spoke about, being damakavschos, judging favorably, understanding that the child, I mean, I was speaking to a parent recently with a child that's struggling, and there's like an assumption we make as parents, assumption we make as mechanchem, we make, we make assumptions on people, like, they're lazy, you know, they're, 
don't have self-control. I, I don't know. We make assumptions as if like it's their fault and there's just no good reason for what they're doing. And that of course is, you know, Ill- illogical. If a child is struggling, if a child is struggling, there's a good reason for their struggles. And we're not able to judge, we're not able to judge them. As the Mishnah says, you cannot judge someone else until you're in their place. You can't judge other people and you can't judge children. It's just so ridiculous, the expressions, lazy, unmotivated, da-da-da-da-da-da. It may be true, but the, the connotation of such negative talk is a, is a negative look on the child as if it's a child's fault. Very rarely is it a child's fault. Now, adults, also we have to be down the kavzchas. But with children, it should be easier to be down the kavzchas. You look at a child who's 13 years old. Today, I think children, I said this, you know, uh, you know, I don't say, I don't say jokingly, but I said like, I said, you know, I would think that the age of bar mitzvah really should be lifted, should be raised a little bit. You know, children at 13 are not what they were. Uh, you know, 100 years ago at 13, the responsibilities that children had, children went to work. The maturity level of the 13-year-old of the past is not the maturity level of 13. Obviously, obviously, we're not trying to rewrite the Torah. The Torah is for all times. But it is important to understand that there is a difference between, you know, children of today and children of the past. Someone, someone, once, someone told me or showed me that one of the Gedolim or earlier Gedolim said such a line that children are not exactly the same. And, and even, even someone past bar mitzvah, bas mitzvah, 15 years old, 16 years old, 17, 18 maybe, it's just so ridiculous. I and mean, we can't judge anybody. But it's ridiculous to ju- judge children as if, you know, as if, as if it's their fault. I mean... They're children, and chances are whatever struggles they have is just, you know, a result to, you know, whatever upbringing they've had, whatever personality they have, and we're not in the place to judge them. It's such a, such a game changer. When you work with children, when you work with students, and you don't judge them, same thing with our own children, Bezaz Hashem, when we don't judge them, we don't look down on them. We just try to, you know, help them. It's a whole, it's a whole different world. But if we, if we judge them, if we're negative on them, it's unbelievable how damaging it is. I was speaking to parents recently, and I said to them, I said to them, you know, when you tell your child, let's go, how come, you know, you're being lazy, come on, want to, you know, you could do it. When you, when you speak these words, you don't realize that you're criticizing the child so much. You're basically telling the child that he's bad, he's lazy, he's a good for nothing. Such a terrible message. We have to be very, very careful. We have to talk to the children in a very understanding way. You know, we could ask them, uh, a Rebbe, a, a teacher, maybe you could pull a child aside. Imagine the difference. You pull a child aside and say, you know, I see that you're having a hard time. You know, what can I do to help you? 
that's a whole different message. That message is, I'm not judging you. I see it's hard for you. It's it's a whole different it's a whole different message, and it's 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 just light years apart from the from that message of what why you're not doing that. What's wrong with you? It's unbelievable. Another important idea which we mentioned uh, in the past, and some of this is probably review, but uh, school school is a very is a very narrow-minded place. Some some children, especially if they have ADHD, I mean it's it's really really difficult for children in school. We have to be much you know more broad-minded and understand that just because a child's struggling in school doesn't mean that the child does not have incredible abilities, incredible talents, and it's our job to try to, to boost their confidence. It's our job to find ways for them to shine with their talents because school doesn't really measure, you know, all, all parts of the brain, you know. I may have mentioned I'm not, very, I'm not very handy. If we had a class in elementary school in, in mechanics, in repairing things, I probably would have got, you know, a D. You know, I would, would have failed the class. And maybe another child that was not as good as in math would have got an A, would have got an A. You know, Bezis Hashem, uh, any, any of you, any of you, um, any of you young ladies uh, uh, are involved in running a school one day, keep this, keep this in mind. We really need to have more classes that can tap in to other parts of the brain. Imagine that child that struggles with math is the smartest in the class when it comes to, you know, you know, electric work or, or, or some other type of hands-on type of work. That child can gain so much confidence because the child sees in this class, I'm the smartest. You know, and, and it's the absolute truth. A business type of class. So business mind generally does not play you know, to the school, to the academics, you know, in school. Many, many wealthy people, many, many multimillionaires did not do well in school because it's a different type of brain. It's a different type of mind. It's a whole different type of system. So a child could do terribly in school and then be a multimillionaire. I always feel like the, the schools, for selfish reasons, the principals, the deans, for selfish reasons, they should be really nice to the troublemakers. They should be really nice to those kids that are struggling in class because many of them become the wealthiest people. And of course, years later, they'll call them in, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll call them up and ask them for help. And uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't blame them if the, if, the, if the person says, you know, when I was in school, you weren't that nice to me. When I was in school, you didn't treat me with so much respect. Now, you want, now you're treating me with respect. Now you want my money. So, mitosha lalishma. Balashma, just understand that these children who today are struggling in school may be the most successful of all of them. And you have to give the respect today. The Ramam writes in Hukhaz Shuva that every single person appropriate for our time before Rosh Hashanah, the Ramam writes that every single person can be a tzaddik like Maisha Rabbeinu. What does the Ramam mean that every single person can be a tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu? As we know, only Meishabenu was able to talk to Hashem, Pel Peh, which no one else was able, will be able to do. We can't reach, the Ramam is not saying, obviously, that we can reach the prophecy of Meishabenu. 
The Rambam says you could be a tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu. How do you become a tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu? The way to become a tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu, a tzaddikas, like Sarah Rivka Rachel Valeya, how do you become that? You become that by doing your best, by trying your hardest. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't measure us by the results. HaKadosh Baruch Hu measures us by our effort. If you are doing your best, then you're a tzaddik, like Maisha Rabbeinu. And if you're not doing your best, you're not. But that, that's the bottom line. So you have to look at the child and think to yourself. And this is where you have to look at your friends too. This friend of yours who today is struggling, she has the ability to become a tremendous sadekes. People can change. Never lock people in a box. It's a terrible thing. People lock people in a box. They look at people and they, they look at them with like, they can, never, they can never change. You know, people can change. We have to know that for ourselves and we have to know that for others. It gives you a different look on people. When you look at people and realize that this person, even though they're struggling today, could be such a great sadek, such a great sadek, you can already give them respect. If I would tell you that this student in your class, you know, is going to be the next Rebetzin Kanievsky, she may be off the walls, she may be difficult, but you would be able to see in the future that this child is going to be a huge, huge person, a great person. You know what would happen? You would already treat them with respect today. And that's what a Kodesh Baruch Hu wants. We have to be able to look at every person and say, in them is the ability for greatness. They can be and will be great. And we already can you know, advance them the loan and already give them the respect today because this is who, this is who they're going to become. Another important idea as a, as a mechanech, mechanechas is not only to focus on teaching the subjects, but really, really paying attention to the, all needs, all needs of a child. Sometimes a child is going through a hard time at home. Sometimes there are things on a child's mind. So imagine the teacher is criticizing the kid. Uh, a Rebbe is criticizing the student. Learn, focus, come on, pay attention. Without ever asking, without ever being interested in understanding what the person's going through. That would be like a person watching someone in a wheelchair and screaming at them, run, run, run. The person's in the wheelchair, why are you screaming run? Typically, children that struggle in school, children that misbehave, typically there's a handicap there. Like we said, there's a reason for the struggle. Maybe we don't see it, but there's a reason for the struggle. So just to go ahead and tell them, what's the matter with you? Learn, learn, learn. You're, it's like screaming at the person in the wheelchair. And you have to show, and you have to be interested and try to understand, you know, is there, are there things that are bothering them? Is there any way you could help? You know, if a Rebbe doesn't care about a child's gashmias, he has a physical needs, you know? I'm not saying I'm the best at it, but I always, I always tell my, my Bachram, you know, if there's something not right, there's a problem with the food, there's a problem with your bed, there's a problem with anything. Um, 
please, please tell me. If you only care to teach somebody Taira, you don't care about the person, you don't care about what they're going through, you don't care about their, their, need, their physical needs, that means you don't really care about the person, and that person's not really going to be interested in learning from you. Who are we interested in learning from? If you would think, you think about your favorite teacher, I find this so remarkable, and it's amazing how it's so overlooked. I want you to think about who your favorite teacher was in elementary school, high school. Who was your favorite teacher? The teacher that taught you the most chumash? Which teacher had the most impact on you? Probably the teacher you liked the most. And why did she have the most impact on you? The reason why she had the most impact on you, we'll assume, is because you felt that she liked you, you felt she cared about you, she was nice to you. It's, it's just so amazing that, of course, it's important to teach our children, teach our students, you know, material, Tyra. But if you want to know what's going to impact them for the rest of their lives, more than the information that you teach them, it's the way you treat them, the care that you show them. So unbelievable, so unbelievable, so unbelievable to pay attention to their physical needs to their emotional needs, it's so powerful. When, it, when, it, when, it, when the child feels that the teacher cares about their food, you know, you see a child doesn't have a snack and you, make, and, you, and you go out of your way, it's important to you. Then the child is interested in hearing what you have to say about Hashem, about Tyra. But if you don't really care about them, you understand if you really care about them, then why are you only interested in teaching them Torah? If you care about them, you care about them. You know, why do we teach Tyra? Why do we teach Tyra? Do we just teach Tyra to, to people because, or Makara people? Let's say you're in Kira. Do you just do Kira because you want brownie points? You want brownie points. You know, you can come to Shemayim after 120 and, and, and say, I influenced 100 people. Is that, is that why we, Makara people, is that why we teach Tyra to people? That's not it. If that's the only reason why we do it, we will not be very successful. The real reason that we makara people, that we teach Torah to people, is because we care about them. I care about them. And I care about them, just like if we care about people, we want to give them what they need physically. So we care about them. We want to give them their spiritual needs. Even more important than giving them their physical needs is, is giving them Eilam Haba, is giving them... the uh, the, their spiritual needs. But if you don't care about their physical needs, that means you don't really care about them. Because if you cared about them, you'd care about their physical needs too. So, LMI, you don't really care about them. You just want to score some points in Shemayim. That's not going to be very you know, influential on them, that you're using them to score some points. You'll only be able to influence people if you care about them and you're trying to help them, and that's why you're teaching them Torah. That's why you're teaching them how to behave, because you care about them. And that message comes through when we care about all, all, all their needs, not just their learning needs. We care about all their needs, everything about them. Just end off, just end off, you know, we're speaking about Kavod, uh, among 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 the greatest 
greatest um, jobs for a Rebbe, for a Mora, for a counselor is to is to build is to build build them up. The Mishnah says in Perkyavos, as Rakelish points out, Hamidu, tell me the Marbe, stand up a lot of students. It doesn't say teach a lot of students. It says stand up a lot of students. Our job is to build people. Not anyone we come in contact with. Our job is to build them. Hashem, maybe next week we'll speak over Rosh Hashanah, but you know, but the, we'll continue the next, the next, you know, in, in Olam Amidos about about marriage. Bez Hashem will get married. Your job is to build your husband, to to make him feel good, to build your kids, your children. Bez Hashem, right? To build your friends, to make people around you feel good, to build, to just be a builder of people. Tamidei Chachamim are called Bainayich, your builders. Real, real people, caring people, B'nai Taira, they build people. Wherever they are, just they build people. Everyone around them feels the respect, feels the appreciation. And wherever they go, they have the schus uh, of building people. Let's, let's see if there are any questions. Oh, this is a big problem. <laughs> I've heard of this Shiloh before. The question is, what do I do if I'm an assistant teacher? And the teacher screams at the children, doesn't respect them, embarrasses them. Oh. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. I would, you know, you're probably, probably afraid to speak to the teacher about it because the teacher may say, who are you? You're a young girl. Um, the question is whether you should go to the principal. I don't know if the principal will take you seriously. Maybe they will. Real, really, it's never good to go behind someone's back if we don't have to. It's always better to give the person a chance to straighten things out. I don't blame you if you don't want to do it. You know, I don't blame you. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't blame you if you don't want to do it. But. There's what to be said. There's what to be said about telling the teacher straight and saying, "Look, maybe maybe send them our recording." But but telling the teacher straight and say, "You know, you really it really bothers you. You know, you you're great. You know, may not be your place, and you're a great teacher and all, but it really bothers you the way that you talk to the children. Um, but you know, you may want to ask somebody uh, specifically about that situation." Um, The um, I want to tell you a great story, a great story that I just remembered. My grandmother, um, she thought she, you know, um, later in life she ended up going back to to school and became a teacher. And she once she once told me a really nice story. She was teaching in public school. It was not a very uh, great you know neighborhood. She was teaching in public school, and one of the one of the students would constantly bang. But constantly was banging on his on his desk, you know, constantly banging on his desk, which was disruptive. So my grandmother went over to him and she said to him, you know, if it makes you feel better, you know, if it makes you feel better to bang on the desk, you know, maybe something's bothering you. If it makes you feel better, you can you can keep on banging. Um, and of course, he he stopped. You know, 
But um, she meant it seriously. She didn't mean it sarcastically. It's a whole different approach when you, when you treat the students with respect. So many times the, the, the clown of the class um, feels, you know, feels very disrespected and that's their way of dealing with the situation, you know, making a joke of everything. Uh, you, if you look to build up that kid, look, look, look to find a way to make him feel good for, for something good he does, a good question, a good answer. Um, it's amazing how you could, how you could really turn, turn, turn kids around. Um, um, tough question here. Um, okay, first of all, we got a comment that um, they tried this in the classroom and it, and it works. Baruch Hashem. I um, appreciate that. If you know a boy, a teen, is younger than you, is it wrong to pump him up and give him chizuk? It's a tough, it's a tough call, tough call. Depends how old the, it depends how old the boy is. Depends on you know where, where, the, where what angle this this thing relationship or this whatever comes from. But um, you know, I can't I can't give a clear answer to that. You'll have to make a judgment. You know, um, but so I, I would I would say you know I would say that. I'd say that may depend on how on how important, how necessary, you know, the situation is, you know. But okay, when some what happens if you're babysitting and the parents don't share the same idea of chena? Well, if you're babysitting, I guess you know maybe the parents are not are not home. Uh huh. They're not going to accept it because they know their parents' way of chinuch. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess I got to get more details there. If the parents yell at the kid, um, and that's how they get them to listen, um, don't don't copy the parents. Um, you know, I think I don't think that people have to. I don't think teachers have to imitate the parents in order to get the kids to listen. And I, I even think a babysitter. If they're, you know, we're not talking, by the way, like I mentioned last week, last time, um, we're not anti-discipline. Um, people make a mistake and think that, you know, I am, I am a stickle, you know, liberal and soft, but, uh, you know, people make a mistake and I think because they just don't understand what we're talking about. So it's like, oh, so you should let kids do whatever you want. Oh, you should let your kids do whatever you want. You should let your students do whatever you want. That's not what we're talking about. You could be very, you're very strict, you know? Like I mentioned, my wife, you know, my wife is pretty, my wife runs a pretty uh, serious classroom, but it's, but the kids, but she, with a lot of respect, with a, with a sensitivity not to embarrass a kid and to care about the kid and, and reach out to a kid if you see a kid is, is nervous, is anxious. It's not about not disciplining. It's just about disciplining with a tremendous sense of care and respect. Um, same thing as with babysitting and anything like that. You can discipline. You just discipline with love, discipline with respect, discipline without judgment. I'm not judging you for what you're doing. I'm just going to ask you that we need you to stop what you're doing. It's a whole different. It's a whole different. It's a whole different thing. Um, so much is unspoken. So much is body language, and but it comes. It comes through like we began with Kamayim Apanim Apanim Kinlev Adam Adam. So I um 
All right, so I want to appreciate uh, appreciate everyone joining and working uh, with my schedule. We'll we'll try for next week, um, probably Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm not sure yet, so I guess if you just you know keep your eyes open for the messages, everyone should have a uh, everyone should have a great night.